review that just real briefly, but I want to, I want to, I want to go to First Thessalonians chapter number two, verse one is where we're going to take off in our scripture tonight. Because I think here's what I believe, guys. Unless we are truly authentic and real, we won't really know how to care in a biblical sense. And we have to decide: Is this church real or not? Am I real? Or am I kind of going through the motions and doing the church thing? But does this thing, does this subject matter really hit to the heart of who I am as an individual, as a born-again believer, or as a professed believer, uh, Christian? So we're going to look at some things that can kind of help us to understand whether or not we are authentic, are we the real thing? But on Sunday, we began and, and we wrapped up with some of the questions uh, that we were asking. And so uh, some of the key points that we, we left you with on Sunday was when you're asking those questions, because questions I told you on Sunday are more so for the one who is receiving than the one who is asking the question, right? Particularly as it relates to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When he asked those questions, Jesus already knew the answer to the question. But the question was given to cause the individual who was receiving it to reflect on their faith walk, to reflect on whatever it is that he was dealing with them on. And so when we are showing uh, or extending the ministry of caring, one of the things that's important is that we uh, learn how to ask the right kind of questions. I shared with you on Sunday about questions that build rapport, questions that, that, that involve spiritual inquiry. In other words, uh, building rapport means that I'm, I'm asking a question uh, to try to get, uh, get uh, a dialogue going with you. Uh, because if I don't ever get a dialogue going with you, then what's going to end up happening as I try to exhibit carriers, I'm going to become simply transactional. I'm going to deal with the issue um, that, that, that's at hand, but I never developed that relationship. So questions that build rapport uh, go a long ways in establishing a relationship with the person who you're interacting with, the person who you've been assigned to show that you really care. So questions to build rapport, we said there should be questions that, 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 that relate to spiritual inquiry. You know, uh, what's your church background? Um, in what ways do you feel most blessed? You know, give it, get, asking questions uh, to, to discover where that person stands spiritually. Because ultimately, part of care ministry is to try to lead that person, if they are not saved, to lead them into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of y'all know that Jesus was more about just, than just feeding folk who were following him? How many of you know Jesus was more about than just healing people who needed healing? And, and healing, was, it was needful. Feeding people was needful. But Jesus wanted them to have a spiritual connection. So when we're asking questions while we're caring, we, we questions that deal with spiritual, the spiritual background. And we also talked about reflective questions, reflective questions, questions that cause them uh, to reflect on how, how are you and your family coping or adjusting? Uh, are there particular things weighing in on your heart and mind right now to try to, to, to cause them to reflect about their situation? And lastly, we said ask questions that cause us to go a little bit deeper, okay? Uh, what is it in particular that you're feeling anxious about? And why do you think you're feeling that way? And, and those questions causing them to reflect because sometimes when people are going through stuff, they only look at the problem. How many of y'all were that way? When you were going through something, you want, you want them to fix the problem. 
I know whenever, whenever we deal with, uh, whenever I have to do marriage counseling, what I discovered is that a lot of times uh, the couples are only dealing with the problem, the issue. And, and, but, but in order to really keep the issue from recurring, remember the iceberg example I gave you? Uh, you know, most of the time we deal with the surface stuff, the stuff that we can see, the way they're acting. But the way they're acting is being driven by something that's much deeper than what we see above the surface. And if you never deal with the stuff that's below the surface, the stuff that's above the surface, even though you may stop it for two or three weeks or a month or two months, or you maybe stop it for a year, it's going to come back because you never dealt with the root stuff. You got to deal with the root. Everybody say deal with the root to kill the fruit. All right. All right. All right. So, so our last three points I gave you was uh, the key points. We said when you're asking these questions, frame the questions carefully. Here's your outline, okay? Ideally, questions come to mind out of a desire to know people and flow from the context of your conversation. Frame your questions carefully. Now, I'm not going to read all of these, but I just gave them to you just as a refresher. The second thing I, I told you was use the questions to help people to reflect. Use questions to help people to reflect on the situation, on their, on their own individual plight and where they are in their walk with the Lord. Uh, so uh, use questions to help people to reflect. Okay. And, and third, I said, listen for opportunities. Everybody say, listen for opportunities. Okay. Uh, and so, so uh, opportunities is, is, is a doorway for you to begin to, to, to explore where that person is spiritually. A doorway for you to, to come in uh, and to begin to deal relationally with that person. Okay. So now look at, look at, but look, look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 because I want to go here. Because none of this will ever really hit or stick with us if we're not really authentic in our walk with the Lord and in our, in our faith commitment to Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the question that we're asking is, are we the real thing? In order for the local church to show that we really care, we must examine ourselves closely to see if we are authentic, okay? If we are real, to see if we are a true church, to see if we are the real thing. Now, I, I believe, I personally believe that EBC is an authentic church, but I also believe that, that there's, there's some, some, you know, in, 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 not in every aspect are we really genuine when it comes to uh, showing that we really care. Not in every aspect are we genuine when it comes to being relational with people. Are you following me? Because again, some of us don't really care to be too connected with people because we just haven't figured out that that's part of our walk with the Lord. We'll, 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 we'll talk to people, but to be relational means that I go a little bit deeper with you. Okay, I A connection is provided. Uh, when that connection is, is, is provided or we, when we connect with people, that means that it's going to cause us to, to, uh, to give of our time, to give of our talents, to give of our resources to, to make that relationship more genuine and more real and more alive. And the honest truth is some people just are not comfortable in being relational. So as a result, when we try to show that we care, we only go to the transaction. They need some clothes. They need money for their utility bills. Uh, they need a ride. They need a place to stay. And we deal with the transaction, but we never deal with trying to build a relationship. Which I'll say that's a true statement. 
I mean, and so, so what I'm trying to get us to the point is, is as a church, if we're going to really care in a biblical sense, it has to be deeper than just a transaction that we're helping somebody with. It has to go deeper. So that won't happen if we're not really authentic. So here, and Paul uh, is writing this letter here to first to the to the, the church at Thessalonica here in First Thessalonians chapter number two. Let's begin uh, reading here, and we're going to take a look at uh, this passage and 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 to give us a, a a biblical picture of the marks of a true church, uh, a church that uh, what are the characteristics in uh, the things that we should look for if we're really trying to examine if we are the real deal or not, if we're the real thing, okay? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 1 says, You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. Who's writing? Who? The Apostle Paul. Who's he writing to? The, chess at the, the, chess, the church at Thessalonica, right? He said, now notice what it says in verse number two. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, what? And not people. Keep that in mind. Start at, make a mental note of that, highlight it, underline it. Our purpose is to please God and not people. Say it with me out loud. Say, my purpose is to please God and not people. The King James Version said in verse 4, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth the hearts. Okay? So it says, he alone examines the motives of our hearts. Verse number 5 says, never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know, and God is our witness, that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Now, how many of y'all have had some people who pretended to be your friend to get hold to your pocketbook? <laughs> how many of y'all have had some people then once the money stopped flowing, the friendship ended? All right? He says here, uh, again, Paul is writing here. He's pouring out his heart here. He says, God is our witness that we will not pretend to be your friend just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Okay? Now, again, let, let's, let's back up here and, and go back to this first part of this text here. The basis of Paul's message was, was, was it was God-given, okay? And we said biblical authority is a two-way street. It's pulpit ministry must be based on biblical authority. If a church is genuine or real, the pulpit ministry of that church must be based on biblical authority, now, when I say biblical authority, somebody help me real quick. What am I talking about when I say the pulpit ministry must be based on biblical authority? Real quick, come on. Say it again. Okay, the Bible has it right or takes precedent over what I think. Danny, you had something on that? Okay, the principle of the word. So if, if, the, if the pulpit ministry is, is based on the word of God, that means that that whenever word comes forth here, it should not be just my opinion. 
Are y'all following me? Now, again, there are going to be some things that I'm going to share with you that are just wisdom principles. Uh, you, you can decide to do it or not. But, but the preached word can't be solely what Doyle Adams thinks. Okay? It can't be solely what I think. The, the, the biblical authority is a two-way street. It's the pulpit ministry of a church that's real is based on biblical authority. We'll allow the word of God to drive the messages. Okay? Now, uh, you know, we have to be very careful that, that we don't get into just a just telling our life story. Our life story, we got all of us have a testimony, but ultimately when you're preaching the word of God, I tell our ministers this all the time, let the Bible drive your message, not what happened at work. Because what will happen is if you're not careful, you'll get up here and throw out about work and you'll throw out about your marriage and about your family and, and, and you don't allow the word of God to drive the message. Now, you can use those things as anecdotal examples of, of the principle of the word of God that you're preaching from. But don't, don't, let, don't let your whole message be about how folk talking about you. Because people are going to talk about you anyhow, right? All right? Let, the, let your message be about the word of God uh, that's, right, that, that's, that's laid out and is rightly divided here in the scripture. Okay? So, the pulpit ministry must be based on biblical authority. And here's the second component. If we're going to be real, everyone say, let's be real. If we're going to be real, the members' lives must be bound by biblical authority. Every one of our lives have to be bound by biblical authority. Okay? Now watch what Paul says here. Um, he says um, in, in verse number one, he says, you, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we have been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. Paul, Paul is saying, I, I had, I, I'm preaching and, and I don't have an impure motive. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to get you to give me your money. I'm not trying to to, to lord over you, lord authority over you, I'm just sharing with you the pure, unadulterated word of God. Okay? And that's what we got to be about as a church. From the pulpit, uh, the ministry must be based on biblical authority, and the members' lives must be bound by that same biblical authority. Okay? So when you're living, you got to allow what, what is being taught here on Sundays and Wednesdays to govern how you do life every day. Now, Guys, listen, if we never think about this stuff away from here, what good does it do for us to come here? If, if, if we're not going home saying, okay, that was a word that I want to I contemplate, I want to pray over, I want to meditate on, I want to make sure I got a great understanding so that I can begin to apply it in my life. If we're not doing it on the regular, then I don't think that we're really being the authentic church that we need to be in order to show that we really care. Okay? So you, you cannot, you'd be amazed. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be amazed. You'd be amazed at, at the number of times that when, when, when I talk to people, when you talk to people, you, you probably, you're not surprised, but there are people who, who will say stuff, do stuff, and you think, where were you when that lesson was taught? And you remember, yeah, they were sitting right next to you in church like they do all the time, but the lesson didn't impact how they acted away from the church. So if we're going to be the true church, 
if we're going to be the real deal, the real thing, and we, if we're going to be a church that shows that we really care in a biblical sense, the lives of the members have to be bound by, I said bound by, bound by biblical authority. In other words, bound by. In other words, I got to put up boundaries to help me stay under biblical authority. Can I get a witness? I have to put up boundaries to help me, and you got to put up boundaries to help you stay under biblical authority. What is a boundary? It is something that keeps me from going out of bounds. Right? Let's say, for instance, um, well, I, I, let's say, for instance, you, you are dating a guy. Okay? Ladies. Y'all, ladies. Single ladies. You are dating, or, or let's say you are a married lady and, and, and you work with a guy. Okay? How many know that a married lady who's working with a guy has to put up certain boundaries? Right? Oh, let's, maybe you don't even work with a guy, but you see the guy at church. You have to put up certain boundaries, right? Can I get somebody to help me? So let's, let's say, for instance, uh, a boundary is anything that helps you to stay under the authority of God's word. Okay? All right. So let, let's say, let's just say you're dating, you're single, and you go out to eat. Or maybe you go to the movies, you go out to eat, and uh, uh, Joe wants to come back to your house just to kind of chill for a little while before he goes home. He brings you back home. In other words, you, you know him well enough to where he came and picked you up. And then y'all went to the movie, y'all ate, uh, uh, got dinner, went to the movie, and then he brings you back home. And, and, and Joe says, um, hey, can I just come in and chill for a little while? Okay. Now, now he, he, talking about boundaries now. Now, you know that as a single lady, <clears throat> that, that it's important for you to, to not engage in fornication. Y'all know what fornication is, right? That's sex outside of marriage. Okay? That's sex out, se fornication actually is any type of sexual immorality. But in particular, we, we deal with a lot of time we talk about sex outside of marriage. So now, you're human. You ain't dead. You 50, but you ain't dead. You, you may be 55 and 60, but you ain't dead. Can I get a witness? <laughs> it's because I said you meddling. Now. <laughs> no. <laughs> but here's, here's what we discovered as we, you know, as, as we go, as we grow older, I think we get finer. I think, I think as we grow older, we, 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 we have a different perspective on a whole lot of things. And as we grow older, you know, things become sweeter, if you know what I mean. Whereas maybe when you were in your 20s and 30s, it was almost just pure lust. But now you, 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 you I'm trying to make this plain, y'all. But let's say you're 55, okay, and you and Joe went out to dinner, and now Joe says, let's come in, can we just come in and chill? Now, you know yourself, okay, you know that, that it's, it's, it's been a long time, and, <laughs> and you're not dead. Okay? And, and, and you know yourself. You like Joe. You have a physical attraction to Joe. Joe has a physical attraction to you. We ain't stupid. 
Huh? You say, but your body still is your body. Can I get a witness? So now, the, the opportunity for Joe to come in and, and y'all put some smooth jazz on may be something that you may not need to do in order to keep yourself under the authority of God's word. Because you know you like Joe. Otherwise, you wouldn't have went to dinner with him and went to the movies with him. Can I get a witness? So now boundaries have to come into play to keep you under the authority of God's word. Because your flesh will tell you, well, it ain't going to hurt for him to come in and stay five minutes. You know he ain't coming in for five minutes. That's the biggest lie they've ever been told. Five minutes. Hello? You tell yourself, well, five, you come in for five minutes, okay? So, so you, you, you put a boundary up. You say, Joe, hey, I, I think the world of you. I, I'm, 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 and I, I'm, I'm really attracted to you. But you know what, Joe? I, I can't. I, although I want to, I can't. Because, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I love my God. And I don't want to fool myself or trick myself into thinking that I got this. All right? So I'm going to put a boundary up just in case my flesh tries to take over if you come in and we start listening to smooth jazz. I'm going to put a boundary up in case my flesh rises up if I put Luther Vandross on. Come on, old school folk. Come on. So I'm putting the boundary up. Joe, I'm going to give you a hug. I may even give you a kiss, but you can't come in tonight, Joe. Everybody says that's a boundary. That boundary allows you to keep yourself under the authority of God's word, which says run from fornication or the flee. The reason why a lot of people fall is they don't put up appropriate boundaries. They tell themselves, I got this. And when you start out, you may have it in your mind. But then your flesh, because remember I told you, your flesh hadn't been with somebody in a while. And so now, everybody say boundaries. Okay, all right. So, 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 if what I do is I bound my life by the authority of God's word. All right. Now, look, look at look at number two on the, on the back page. Okay. So we said the first thing we said is is we got to we got to know that uh, if we're going to be real, and that realness has to flow out in our caring, any church that's real is pulpit ministries must be based on biblical authority. And its members' lives must be bound by biblical authority. Now, again, there, there are denominations that have what they call a book of discipline in addition to the Bible. A lot of Methodists have it. CMEs, United Methodists, have a book of discipline. That book of discipline is a, is a sub, it's, it's, it guides how the church operates. Um, and I'm not saying it's wrong to have those, but if that book of discipline goes against God's word, then it's gonna it's, it's gonna it's gonna cause some great harm. There, you know, I'm I'm not sure if y'all know this or not, but the United Methodist Church is is is, is getting ready to uh, in their general conference, which they do every four years, is getting ready to in all likelihood vote to uh, allow uh, same sex marriages and to to allow the uh, ordaining of of lesbian and gay uh, preachers. Okay. And so uh, that that's gonna that is a is a thing that's gonna probably end up splitting the United Methodist Church, uh, but they're getting ready to do that because what's what's happened is it, their current book of discipline says that that's not allowed. 
but they're, they're going to change it, what it looks like, to, to map what's happening in the culture, okay? See, it's, it's, it's very important that we stay biblically grounded and don't allow what's happening in the political realm to influence what's happening in the church realm. See, the pulpit must never become political in the sense that we allow what, whatever, whatever party is doing whatever to influence what we preach on Sunday. Amen? We, we will always, at this church, remain a body of believers who base the ministry on biblical authority. Okay? So they're getting ready to do that, and it's going to cause a lot of uh, uh, heartache and pain uh, with that denomination. But again, they have the they book of discipline. But we're going to let the authority of God's word amen, drive what we do here, okay? So look at, look at number two. Number two, uh, biblical authenticity. Look at verse five through six. Well, uh, if we're going to be real and if we're going to show that we really care, and we can't show that we really care unless we become really authentic, uh, the one of the ways we can judge our authenticity is to see if we are biblically authentic, okay? And what does it mean? The meaning of authentic is being what one claims to be, okay? Look, and, and, and number two, being what one ought to be. Everybody say, being what I claim to be and being what I ought to be, all right? One of the worst things that we can do is to claim to be something that we're not. Now, every one of us in here have made mistakes and have sinned since we've been saved. Huh? Every one of us in here has made a mistake and have sinned since we've been saved. But none of us in here should have a progressive, growing, non-repenting lifestyle of sin. You living with the man. Or the woman. And you're not in covenant relationship with them. I'm just hoping that we don't have anybody doing that here. <clears throat> I mean, just, you, you ain't trying, because don't, don't tell me y'all living together, he's sleeping on the couch. I'm too old, I'm too old. What's, the, what's, that, old, what's that saying? I'm too old a cat to be fooled by a kid. So cohabitating is not in the will of God. Everybody say, put boundaries up. All right, so, so look, look at this right quick. It says, never once, Paul is right, he says, never once did we try to win you with what? Flattery. Don't try to flatter and butter people up. Paul says, never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. You have, to, you have to really examine why people hang around you. You, you really need to be careful about who you connect with. Because birds of a feather tend to do what? And the Bible says this, do not be deceived. Evil communication will corrupt good manners. Hanging with people who are doing sinful stuff will eventually rub off on you. And don't try to think that it won't, okay? All right, so watch it, watch it. Look at verse number six. Let's read it. It says what? As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else, okay? So we, let's back up here. We said authentic, being authentic, the meaning of authentic is being whom 
being what one claims to be and being what one ought to be. Next thing, authenticity operates in three realms. The pulpit, I need to be authentic. In the preaching of the word and in my living also, it should also be authentic in the corporate life of the church. What we do as a church. That's why I'm teaching this because I, I want us to be a church that's known for really caring about people. And so I want this to sink in. I want our mindset about caring to really change because I am, I am, I am thoroughly convinced that most of us grew up in a, in a theological construct that said caring is, is helping meet the need. And we are to meet needs. But what I'm trying to tell you is biblical caring goes beyond the transaction to the relationship. And so we got to get to the point to where we are comfortable being in relationship with people because God will use that relationship to help build that person up and help them to come to Christ and to help the disciple. And you can't, we can't become a church that's good at discipling if we don't want to be around people other than our family. We cannot be a church that's doing the commandment that Jesus gave the church, which was to go and make disciples if we don't want to be around people. And some of y'all sitting here right now know that you, you, you're a good person, you're saved, and if you die today, you're going to heaven, but you, don't, you ain't real comfortable around people who, who aren't just like you. You aren't real comfortable interfacing with people for a long period of time if they're not just like you, if they ain't all the way there yet. Child, he got, you know, he, she, she this and she, he that and, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't fool with them. Baby, you've been called to fool with them. Huh? You've been called to fool with them. And so that's why, and, and I love you, and, 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 and again, if you die, you're going to heaven. You're, this is not about your salvation. This is about becoming more relational. And so, if you ask yourself the question, how many people do I relate to within my church body outside of my church body? In other words, how many people do I relate to or even talk to outside of Sundays and Wednesdays? Think about that for a second, okay? And if we're going to be relational, if we're going to help disciple people, we got to get comfortable with more than just Sunday mornings and Wednesdays. Okay, y'all still with me? All right, see, see, see some of y'all, your spirit went low then. <laughs> your spirit went low there. Because I know, I know I'm hitting home because I know what the Holy Spirit told me. If EBC is going to be a church that shows that we really care and then we become more than just transactional, become relational people, it's going to require some of us to give up our little proclivities and our little idiosyncrasies that we have. That's a fancy way of saying our little funny ways. The little stuff that we don't like and we figure out a way to not be around stuff that we don't like or people we don't like. We'll excuse our way out of relationship building. <sighs> okay. Mm. All right. So... <laughs> Come on now. How do I know about this? Because I was that way. I'm sure. Y'all don't fool with a lot of people. 
Mm-hmm. But the Lord called me to preach, Gwen. How can I shepherd people if I'm not going to be relational? Oh, we can come and have good church and leave. But there are going to be some times when we need to talk through some stuff. There will be some time we need to sit down eyeball to eyeball and just, just say, hey, let me, what's going on, man? Come on, talk to me. But I can't do that if I only see you on Sunday, if I don't ever talk to you or, or you run from me. You're running from the preacher, and I'm here to help you. I'm not here to judge and put you in hell. Yeah, you messed up. But, but, but I, I promise you, I can give you a list of folks here who were messed up royally and know that, that it didn't break our relationship. And, and, and I'm still loving on them just like I did before, they knew, before I knew they messed up. Are you with me? Okay. All right. So we got to get to that way. We got we, we to get to the point to where we're, 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 we're authentic. So authenticity operates in three rounds. The pulpit, the corporate life of the church, and the lives of individual members. We got to be authentic. Okay. Look at what Paul says here again. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Watch out for people who are seeking human praise. Watch out for people in the church who always need a pat on the back. Now again, we ought to exhort one another, but if you don't get it, when you still serve? Guess what? Yo, I've, I've, <laughs> I, there, there are times when people say, Pastor, that was a good sermon, but most of the time I don't hear anything about the sermon. I, I'm not looking for you to validate the sermon. Great if it comes, but if it don't come, guess what I'm going to do next Sunday? Preaching the doggone word. <laughs> because I cannot, I cannot get caught up into who told me that was a good message now. Because you know, every message you preach ain't going to be a hot message. You preach long enough, you're going to bomb it. <laughs> you teach Sunday school long enough, there are going to be some lessons that you're going to teach. You're like, I don't know if I understood it myself. <laughs> and I, you know what? I think, here's, here's what I believe. I believe God, God will allow some of that to happen sometimes so that we don't get full of ourselves. Everybody start telling you, oh, dude, doc, doc. You know, in, in those traditions, they call them doc. They ain't got no doc, but they call them doc. Boy, you, you, doc, you, 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 you had them. And it, here's what they do. They stand up and look at you like you. Y'all don't saw that? Everybody stand up when you're really going. And again, I, I, I'm not being critical. Encourage people. Encourage them. But, but, but you got to be careful that you don't get soaked into to seeking the praise of men. Huh? Right? If you're singing the choir, you got you to be careful you're singing the choir that you don't think you're the star of the show. Hmm? All right. Because let's say, for instance, you didn't lead a song for four or five weeks and now you get mad because it's your time. All right? Because ultimately, if you're singing unto the Lord, it doesn't matter if you're leading or backgrounding. You sing unto the Lord. Whether I lead, I sing unto the Lord. Whether I background, I sing unto the Lord. Whether I lead or background, I'm singing unto the Lord. But if it ever becomes about you leading and you being seen, then you're getting all the glory and not no glory is going to God. Paul says, as for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. All right, let's keep moving. So biblical authenticity. It has to be in the pulpit. Operating those three rims, the pulpit, 
the corporate life of the church, and the lives of individual members. Let's go to verse 7 through 11. So biblical attitude. Want to know if we're real. Want to know if we really, really care about people enough to become relational. Now, when I say this, guys, understand this. I know that everybody's not going to be connected to the hip with everybody that they come in contact with. But there are some people who God has put on this earth who, who he's put in your path for you to develop a relationship with. Are y'all with me? And so we do ourselves a disservice when we go to our closet or go to our homes and shut up and, and we, don't, we don't open ourselves up to become relational, especially to those people who we're trying to help through care ministry. Those people who, who may be going through something, who, who are facing something, that's the prime opportunity to begin to build them up and to become relational to help them if they're not saved, to get saved, and they have been saved, but they, they, the things that they're going through is causing them to, to, to steer away from their faith. It gives us the opportunity to build that relationship and bring them back into the fold, okay? All right, so let's, verse 7 says what? As apostles of Christ, it says what? We certainly had a right to make some demands of you. That's what Paul says. But instead, we were like children among you. What Paul is saying is, as an apostle, I had the right to actually receive some support from you, but, but, but yeah, I'm going to choose not to. Watch this. He says, but instead, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. Verse, verse 8 says what? We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. In other words, we didn't just preach to you, but we lived among you. We shared our lives with you. Don't just preach to people. Share life. Do life together with people. Okay, come on. Let's move. Don't you remember... Dear brothers and sisters, can y'all read with verse 9? Let's go. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Watch this. Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. Okay? Verse 10. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Biblical attitude. An attitude of graciousness. Look what it says. Illustrated by the image of a nurse with a child, also illustrated by a father with his children. Paul is saying, that's my attitude amongst you. Paul even said, listen, I, we work tirelessly Working, tent making, and preaching so that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be a burden to you all. You know, I oftentimes say this, you know, one of the things that, that um, um, I, I always go back and I think about how God has, has worked this thing with this church. Uh, when, you know, when I was working in banking, um, you know, at the time our, our church was at the size that it was, I didn't want to be a burden to the church. Uh, by making demands or, or not say making demands or, or, or implying that the church need to pay me a certain amount of money uh, because I need to take care of my family when the church was not in a position to do that. Okay? But I tell y'all, at 33, the Lord told me at 40, you'll be ministering full time. 
and the Lord grew the church, <clears throat> grew the budget. We made personal adjustments. And in February before February, March, February, March, April, May, three months before my 40th birthday, I left the bank to, to do ministry full time. Now, see, but God told me at 33, but I didn't push it. I didn't try to get ahead of God. I said, God, if this, if, if it's going to happen, you got to make it happen. And I, and I let it go. I kept working in banking and kept just doing what God, kept preaching the word of God, kept administrating the church here. And the church grew and developed to where they could afford to do that. Okay. And so uh, Paul, in the same vein, was making tents so that nobody could charge him foolishly for trying to make friends with them to get their money. He worked, he preached, he worked, he preached, he preached, he worked. Okay? Although he had a right as an apostle on his apostolic authority to not have to work and to receive support from them, but he chose not to do that. Okay? Y'all with me? All right. So, so look at it. He, he, had a, he had the attitude that all of us need to have. Uh, the biblical pattern of graciousness is very clear. It deals with manner. Although it's not rule out confrontation, it deals with the, the manner. Christ was not harsh with his disciples. How you do a thing, how you do it is critically important. Paul was, Paul, was, Paul was cognizant of the fact that he didn't want anything to hinder the spread of the gospel. And we as born-again believers, if we're going to, if we're going to really care about people and be true to people, we, 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 we got to make sure that we live in such a way and behave in such a way that we don't do anything to cause the gospel to be hindered from being spread. And how do you do that? You do that when people know you saved, you're talking about these all the time at work, but you're still cussing, you're being mean, you're not working good, you, you, you want to, the laziest person on the job, and then you will try to minister to somebody and tell them to come to church with you. Are you in your home and you live in such a way that, that is not conducive to, to the cause of Christ? Your children will go up being bitter because they see you saying one thing at church and something else at home. And when they grow up, they say, I ain't going back to church. Because mama did all that talking, did all that shouting, did all that teaching, did all that preaching, but at home she was hell to live with. Don't ever be guilty of running someone away from Christ. Have the right attitude. Biblical attitude is important, okay? Failure to follow this pattern is a major problem in many churches today. Paul, Paul had the right mindset. He had the right approach to these things, okay? All church operations should be conditioned by a biblical attitude. Whatever we do as a church should be done in a way that exemplifies a biblical attitude. I, I go back to, to, to our, our common ground outreach, our, um, our lend a hand clothing giveaway. Uh, I go back to our vacation Bible school. Guys, you, do you realize that, that, that to, to do VBS at the level that we did it cost us probably about $14,000 to do that? But you know what? When I look at the results of that, that's a drop in the bucket. To see some people get saved, get baptized, and their names written in the Lamb Book of Life. Yeah, we could have, we could we could we could have said we ain't gonna decorate, we ain't getting no tent, we ain't buying all that food, cookies and pots, that's all you're getting. But I think that the world needs to see that just like the world can do it right and attract people, the church can do it right. 
and not on the cheap. Why we got to always buy something that's used? Oh, don't get me started. Why we got to get the leftover? And the we are the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. We're the head at the tail. And if God blesses us with the resources to do it right, we're going to do it right here. That's ministering. Why do we spend money on radio outreach? Most of the people who hear that message won't ever come to this church, but that's not the point. The point is, is to get the word out, to influence lives. So we're going to invest in ministry. We don't exist to be an organization that just builds up a big cash reserve and say, we got, oh, we got a million dollars in the bank. Oh, aren't we a healthy church? No, because you got a million dollars in the bank, ain't doing nothing with it. Come on. Attitude. Everybody say attitude. We got to have a biblical attitude. Look, number four, a biblical approach. Look at verse 12. Verse 12. Got to get out of here. We pleaded with you. Can y'all read with me? We pleaded with you encourage you and urge you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. A basic relevance, life related. What, what, am, what am I saying? The Bible is relevant, guys. We don't have to make it so. It's already relevant. We have to communicate it clearly. The Bible is relevant. What does it mean by relevant? That means that the Bible speaks to our life issues. And when we are preaching and when we're teaching, we got to make the Bible relevant to where people live. If I sit up here and, and, and speak at a, a doctoral level and use a lot of big theological concepts that nobody understands and try to impress you with those words, but then I don't teach you how to live this in your everyday life, it's not going to be relevant. If you're having money problems, you need to know what the Bible says about money. If you're having problems with your children, you need to know what the Bible says about the children. Marriage, work, on down the line, the Bible speaks to those issues. And we got we to gotta communicate that clearly to people so they can understand it. Okay? Y'all with me? Because if, if you tell people how to get delivered from what they're in, they'll come and hear that. Amen? I promise you, they'll come if, if, if you, and, and they go and they put it into practice and see it work, the Bible has to become relevant, okay? We got to make it relevant. We got to have a biblical approach. The Bible is relevant. The more complex our society becomes, the more obvious biblical relevance becomes. A lot of stuff happens. The church should be applying the Bible to life situations, okay? Lastly, uh, number five, uh, Biblical, biblical activity, okay? Look at 13 and 14 with me right quick. 13 and 14. Because if, if we're going to show that we really care, we got we to examine ourselves and say, am I really, am I real? Do I really want to show that I care about people? Do I really want to be relational? I know me. I'm, you, you, you say yourself, I know me. I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little standoffish a little bit. I mean, it's, it's not, I, I don't take, I, it's not personal. It's just kind of the way I am. Well, you know what? God says, God says he saved us not to be the way we are. He saved us to become who he wants us to be and what he's already ordained us to be. And so many times we allow our personalities and our little ways of doing things to get in the way of God transforming us 
into the person he desires for us to be. Because if we're going to show that we really care as a church corporately, each one of us individually have to make sure that we're being authentic. Being real. Look at the neighbor. Say, neighbor, are you real? Watch, watch, watch. Look at 13 and 14. Let's read it right quick. It says what? Therefore, come on, read with me. It says what? Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human word ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you. So when you sit here on Wednesday, when you sit here on Sunday, do you receive the preached word as it is the word of God? Or are you just saying, well, that's Doyle Adams. Oh, I know him. Oh, I've been around him for a long time. I've been a member of the church for 20 years. That's just Doyle up there talking. Whenever a message comes forth, whether it's an inspirational message, whether it's a Sunday school lesson, men's ministry, women's ministry message, then that, that person who's teaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is a vessel that God is using to bring his word to us. Let's receive it as God's word, a word from God down through the man out to the people. Are you with me? Okay? That's where we got to receive it. So, the biblical pattern laid out in Acts 2. Go to Acts 2, verse 42 and 47. We'll get out of here. The biblical pattern here. This is, this is what we should see in our church. And anytime we stop seeing this, y'all need to come and talk to them and say, Pastor, you, what, what's going on? We don't, we're not seeing this. Acts 2, 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. Next verse. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 45 says what? They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, watch this, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now watch this. Look, look at these components here. That should be in a church that is real, that's genuine, because it, it takes a genuine church to really care about those who are going through. And I don't want us to ever get to a point to where it's about style and profile. It's about buildings and stuff. We want to be a church that's authentic, that shows that we really care and that we want to be relational, even, even when it's not maybe necessarily our natural inclination to be relational. Maybe we grew up in a, in a family that didn't foster or did, didn't... didn't, didn't uh, uh, set an atmosphere where relationships were easy to develop. But even though you came out of that kind of family, you can get better at being relational by being biblical. Okay? So, again, what should be there? First thing, what? Biblical preaching and teaching. Let's make sure we got biblical preaching and teaching. If, we're not, if we don't have biblical preaching and teaching on Sundays and Wednesdays and in our Sunday school classes and our other, other ministries, I need to know about it. If ever I get off, off course and stop teaching the Bible... Somebody raise your hand and say, Pastor, you ain't preaching the Bible. 
My wife be the first one to tell me if I'm not sharing the word. I always ask her, baby, did, did, how, how did the message go across? Uh, and she'll tell me the truth. Some of y'all may not tell me the truth because you don't want to hurt my feelings. So, you know, if, 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 if it was like clear as mud, this time I said, Pastor, boy, I, I, I love you, but you know what? I, 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 didn't, I couldn't follow you. Let me know because I have to, if, I, if I missed it, because I, I can miss it. I cannot be clear sometimes. All right? I know that. Uh, but I, I try to be as, as transparent as possible, and I try to use real-life examples to where you can get the picture of what's being said. But biblical preaching and teaching is a part of an authentic church. Fellowship will be a part of an authentic church. Okay? If we don't ever interact with each other, other than on Sunday mornings or, 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 or when we're here on Sunday mornings, we don't have very much interaction, then, then, then we got we to make sure we, we change that. Okay? Each one of us individually have to begin to, to, to get more relational. All right? Uh, communion, uh, prayers, praying together. It, it, praying is critically important, okay? Um, uh, meeting needs. There are going to be some needs that are going to come up and arise. That's one reason why we're teaching this lesson on care ministry because when needs arise in the body, we need to be there to help support and, and, and help meet those needs, okay? Meeting needs will be there. Praise and worship will be there in the church that's authentic. And then there will be growth, in a church that's authentic and real, okay, there'll be growth. I believe that a, 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 a church that's for real and preaching the Bible will experience growth. Now, we don't measure the success of a ministry by the size of the ministry. Don't, don't get into that, okay? Because there, there are churches that are smaller, there are churches that are larger that are doing the will of God. But don't measure the, the success of a church by the size of the ministry. But I do believe if a church is healthy, if it's authentic, it'll be growing. People will be coming to Christ and people will be joining that church, okay? The ministry of every church should include these elements, okay? All right, so uh, as we look at this, let's think about our own selves. Uh, as we go back, number one, we said, what, if, if we're going to, we have to have biblical authority. Biblical authority should be in an authentic church. Biblical authenticity Biblical attitude, a biblical approach, and we should have biblical activity going on in the church, okay? Those things, when we look at them and we see those, it'll give us an indication that we are the real deal. And people who are real know how to care. And they're, and they're concerned about showing care, okay, to those who are going through. Amen? Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.